Open your Bibles with me to 1 John chapter 4. Just from a content standpoint, I think it would be fair to say that verses 7 through 21 in this chapter are the, the love statement in the Bible. And obviously the entire Bible is that statement, so I won't call it that. But just for an example, the, the love chapter referred to as the love chapter in the Bible is 1 Corinthians 13, which mentions agape love nine times. And in these 15 verses, we're going to see either agape, which is the noun form of God's love, and agapao, which is the verb of God's love, 25 times in these 15 verses. So John is explaining what love is. I think one of the biggest problems in the world is questions come or statements come like, if God was love, then this. And, and I think it's an under, a misunderstanding of what love is as defined by God, that God himself is love. So everything has to be compared to him rather than the other way around. So John has been explaining to us in this letter what love is, what the, the highest form of serving God is in the church age. So for over 4,000 years, the summary statement of God to mankind was love your neighbor as yourself. And the night that he was betrayed in John 13, 33, and 34, he says, I give you a new command now. So for the first time in the history of man, there is a people group given a command, love one another. So love your neighbor as yourself was a command to Israel, most of whom did not follow God themselves. When there would be a people group, which by God's definition, Christian, those people at the highest level of love back to God is love one another. The way that I say, Jesus, I love you, is loving the believers in my family. And John is going to walk us through that and teach us more and more about that. Let's pray before we begin. Heavenly Father, we have the perfect example of love in your Son. Uh, we have seen his example to us. We have his word, which originated with you, Father, given to us today from him through the Apostle John. Help us to, to leave here um, with a desire to love one another more and a, and a better understanding of how to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to pick it up in verse 7 of 1 John chapter 4. John writes, <clears throat> Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. And I struggle with preparing this passage because I wanted to teach it two different ways. I wanted to just go through this one word at a time, which maybe would be the better way to do it. I'm incorporating other scriptures with it, but there's so many statements that John makes. And one of the statements to begin here is, let us love agapao, which is a verb. Whenever love from God, that is God, is expressed, it's agapao. 
So um, he, he says to Peter, do you agapau me? And Peter says, you know I phileo you. He doesn't understand. Peter doesn't have the Holy Spirit yet. He can't effectively agapau Jesus. So he gives him all of the love that he can, which is Philadelphia or phileo. So John's teaching us that agapau comes from God. Agape love never comes from a human being. It can only come through a human being. So God is love. He is agape. And when agape is received by a human being, it can then be expressed agapau. So that is the evidence that a person is a Christ follower. John is explaining it to us that, as we looked in chapters 2 and 3, that the proof of Christianity is love one another. So everything we do, he wants to change me to be like Christ. He wants to incorporate me into a family of believers where we, where we strive and struggle and grow together. And my love, honor, honoring one another above ourselves, um, having the same attitude towards each other as Christ had towards us, all of these descriptions by Paul, that is the evidence of Christianity. So he explained last week that the way that I can say I know I'm his is by loving one another. So John explains, starting at verse 7, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. It only comes from God. The only place that you and I can receive agape is Jesus Christ. And he's saying, love, agapao, let us love one another. Then he says, everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. That's a bold, complete statement. Lost people cannot agapao. They can have feelings, they can have emotions, they can have connections, but God's love through a person to a person can only happen with a believer. And John is saying that it can only happen from God through me, and when it happens from God through me, I know. I know I'm his. I know I will be in heaven one day. So if I want to know, the only way I can know, I don't pray the right prayer, I don't, I don't go to the right service or the right ch church, um, the way that I can say, I know whom I believe in and I'm convinced that he is able to keep that which I've committed to him to that day is by loving one another. That's the evidence, not only to you, it's the evidence to me and it's the evidence to God. So this word for know, the highest, deepest level of know in the Greek is gnosko, this intimacy that can only be between a husband and a wife, that's the Greek word. I don't just intellectually know, I don't just factually know that it's true, I know. I know I'm his if I love one another. And that's what John is teaching us here. Verse 8, whoever does not love does not know God. The opposite is equally true because God is love. He doesn't just express it. 
It's not just a characteristic. It's not just what he's capable of. It's what he is. So when God comes to be in our life and we enter into his life, we have tapped into someone who is love. Agape love. You see in your notes there, that same night that he introduced love one another in his high priestly prayer, John 17, 3, now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So Jesus, knowing all, is praying in Gethsemane. This is eternal life, Father, that they would know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you have sent. So, John may have had a question that night, hearing that prayer. How do I do that? How do I know the Father and know the Son and know that I have eternal life? Because you said that is eternal life. And now John, 60 years later, is explaining to us what he knows to be true. That loving one another is the way that we know the Father, and it's the way that we know the Son, according to 1 John 4, 7. Another verse in your notes there, um, 1 John three eighteen. John says, let us not love with words and speech, but with actions done in truth. So agapao is not, Adrian, I love you. That's the right thing to say if it's true. It should encourage him if it's true, but it's actions that are done in truth that is an expression of agape. In other words, agapao, person to person, is actions done in truth. So Paul says in your notes in Ephesians 4.15, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. So Paul is saying truth and love cannot be separate. They can only work together. They can only be in agreement. Truth in love to a person sometimes is the most encouraging thing that you will deliver to them. Sometimes it's the most challenging thing that you will deliver to them. Sometimes, maybe most of the time, my spirit wants you to love me. So I will tell you what you want to hear. If my spirit aligns with his spirit who lives in me, I will tell you what you need to hear and you will do the same with me. Truth in love, Paul says in Ephesians 4.15, is the way in which we grow to be in every way a mature body of believers. We, are, we live in a time in 2023 where that's immediately uncomfortable because it has been so long since that is common. But if we do it, if we genuinely care, if we genuinely love each other and we speak the truth continually, it will be appreciated in both directions. And it will make us a mature body of believers that would be recognizable 2 Corinthians 13, 8 in your notes. For we cannot do anything against the truth, but only for the truth. 
Um, so look at 2 John for just a moment in this relationship to the truth. going to read the first six verses. The elder to the lady chosen, and my understanding is John is an elder. He, is a, he has just a year earlier been abducted from Ephesus, where he is an elder, and the lady is the church in Ephesus, and John is writing this from Patmos before he writes Revelation. So he writes, the elder to the lady chosen by God and to her children, whom I love in the truth. And not only I, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth, which lives in us and will be in us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, will be with us in truth and love. It has, been given, it has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as the Father commanded. And now, dear lady, I am not writing you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another. And this is love, to walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. So John is talking about the beginning of the church. And he is saying, we've had this command from the beginning. So when they're in the upper room in John chapter 13, he says, Immediately, interestingly, immediately after Judas leaves, because this message isn't for him, because he's not a member of the church, he says, I'm giving you a new command. Love one another. This is the standard. This is the place to where I will take you. This is the evidence of salvation. All of the things he knew that night that the disciples did not understand. Back to 1 John chapter 4 and verse 9. John writes, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loves us and sent his son as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So John is further explaining here. He's, he's helping us walk through the ministry of Christ and the teaching of Christ, things that John now understands that he didn't understand before that God shows his love among us. 1 John 3, 16, John says, this is how we know what love is. Christ Jesus laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for each other. So the same Philippians 2, 5, the same way he did that, we do that for each other. That says to the world, Christ follower, that says to the church, we are his. That says to me, I know, I'm sure. And that's the evidence. This is, it's hard for us to grasp agape. Always good, always best for the other, never self-serving. 
So Peter, the way he describes it is that we can participate in that divine nature. When I put down my agenda for someone else's agenda, I experience agape. I express agapao to another person. John says that, that it's not that we loved God, but that he loves us. So we can go like Psalm chapter 14, who seeks God? No one. Who is righteous? No one. But God demonstrates his love towards us while we're in that condition that he gives his son for our sins. So demonstrates in Romans 5.8 is a continuous Greek word. He's demonstrating in 2023, I love you so much I died. I love you so much I died. I love you so much that I gave all that I could give. And it's not, verse 10, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. John keeps bringing us back. Every chapter in 1 John, love one another, love one another, move towards loving one another. If you love one another, you will know. If we step into what God asks us to step into, we will have the highest form of living on planet Earth. And it is knowing God, John 17, 3. It is knowing that I'm his, 1 John. It is knowing that love never fails. So um, Romans 6, 23, we had it on the screen earlier that this love, though the penalty is death for sins, was fully paid at the cross. In your notes, 1 Corinthians 13, 8a, love never fails. There is an appearance on the picture of the cross to, for example, the soldier, whatever he was, whatever he stood for, has come to an end. And then Matthew continues to write of the, of the sky going dark and, and the tombs opening and things happening that are cataclysmic and he says surely this was the son of God love in a world where every person has naturally a self agenda even Christians still have that naturally if we choose to love one another if we do what we're to do in here out there will be affected it will be unavoidable. It will be something like in Acts chapter 4 and ch chapter 5 where there's a reverential fear of what's going on and there are people adding to it daily because they are seeing the truth in love. Back in chapter 4 and verse 12, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Paul says in the, his letter to the Ephesians that when we think of that statement, how wide, how deep, how long, and how high, he explains in Ephesians 4 and in Ephesians 1 that that's only understood together. 
there are things that can only be experienced together in the Bible. Where two or three are gathered, he's talking about prayer. He's talking about coming together and praying. And he's talking about things that he will do if we come together. He ex explains in Ephesians that how much love God has, how extensive, how high, deep, wide, and long it is, has to be experienced together. I can't experience it at home by myself. I can't experience it in a church by myself. It has to be an incorporation of this agapa where I'm expressing it to you, you're expressing it to me, and I begin to understand what his love is like. Because I can drum up phileo or eros or other types of love as a human but I can only experience agape when it goes through me. I can't just receive it. It has to go through me. And I can understand, I can begin, I should say, to understand what God's love is. So no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. That blows me away, that last statement. If we go before Adam, there is God the Father, there is God the Son, there is God the Holy Spirit. That's it. Perfect love exists in every direction. Think about this. God never had to express his love to someone who didn't love him until he met us. That's, that hits me. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. He never had to do that until there was us. So John says, the agape of God, which is incomprehensible to us, becomes complete when while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So 1 Peter 1.20, he was chosen before the creation of the world to express love to his enemies and to do it to the fullest extent. So when John says, when agape comes to us, his love is complete. He has loved without receiving love first. He has loved those who hate him who will reject him, who will always say no, and he will have to judge one day, he loves them too. And in us, who say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. His love is then complete because his love comes down from heaven to fallen, sinful human beings and it goes through them to others. God is amazing. Verse 13, this is how we know that we live in him and he in us. Or this is how we know we live in him. He has given us his spirit. So the spirit 
the fruit from the Spirit is love, and then joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But love encompasses them all. So the primary fruit of the Holy Spirit is love. The fruitfulness of the Holy Spirit, I receive it and it goes through me by the Holy Spirit, then the Spirit says, you're His. You know this is God's love. You experienced it. You didn't just intellectually say, well, I know this book is true. You did it. You experienced it. And the Holy Spirit confirms in our life that we are his. Verse 14. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And as we talked about last week, we see this statement multiple times throughout um, the the letter that John is writing, um, verse 2 of chapter 4. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. So that's a statement that has to be understood. Everyone needs to acknowledge that the one who is in the manger is almighty, sovereign, creator, redeemer, Lord of lords, king of kings. It's not someone who came into existence in a manger. It's someone who came off a throne to a manger. And if you acknowledge that, you are his. If you confess with your mouth, he is Lord and he is my Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And John is saying, if from there you express agapao, that was never yours to begin with, but you received it and you express it, and you know, you're sure. So if a lost person asks you on the street, how can you know that you're going to heaven? Or do you know that you're going to heaven? Yes, I do. How do you know? Well, first of all, I rely on a book in your eyes, that has never been proven false. That the, the historicity of a man named Jesus Christ established, even in science and um, archaeology and every direction that you look at him, he ends up truth on the stand. And then in his word, I understand that he gave all of the love that he could give to me in a place to pay a debt that I couldn't pay. But I know because I accepted his offer. He has proven to me that he is who he says he is because when I do what he says to do, I receive what he says I will receive and I know what he says that I will know. At the very least, that will put a pebble in someone's shoe that will come to them throughout the day later. How could anybody know that? How is that possible? John is explaining to us that if we demonstrate that it's possible, the world will see. Turn to 2 Peter chapter 1.
So there's multiple things here. We won't be here long. But the one thing that I'll point out is a progression that the fruit from the Spirit, if the Spirit has his way, the place that he will take you to maturity is love one another. That's where he wants to take you. A student is not above his teacher, but when he is fully trained, he will be like his teacher, Jesus says. So as I become more like him, if I'm truly becoming more like him, I am truly a one another person. That is where I am heading. So Peter is telling us things like this. Verse 4, through these he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you might participate in the divine nature. We cannot over-amplify what he just said there. That I can participate in the nature of Almighty God, having escaped the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection. He's taking us there now. All of these attributes into mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. So when he gets us on earth where he wants us to be, we are loving one another. We are testifying to the world that we are his. We are testifying to ourselves that we know. And we are showing the world something the world doesn't know. And that's agape love. And if the world sees that, the world will actually desire to have what we have. Back to 1 John chapter 4. Verse 16, and so, so John, John in a sense in verse 16 is saying, you still with me? You still in this? If you are, good, because, and so we know and we rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. So this confidence that he is taking us to, as Christ followers, when we love one another, we are sure. Sure people walk through things with their head up. Sure things, sure people walk into situations, deal with people, deal with circumstances, diagnosis, job losses, and all of these things in a different way. I want to ask Stephen when I get to heaven, when you look up and you see Jesus, I get the impression you're unaware of the stones. I want to step into that. Jesus himself stands up and says, come home, Stephen. And I'm not sure Stephen can see anything else, feel anything else, experience anything else. That's what God wants to take us to. Why doesn't this affect you like it affects others? Because I know. You know what? 
I know what love is. I've experienced it. It has given me confidence. It has helped me to realize that this is all temporary. That's forever. And forever comes down here when I love people. That's amazing. John is saying, verse 16, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. I'm going to love you with the best of my ability, not good enough. I'm going to love you with the love I'm borrowing from Jesus Christ. You'll know. You'll be confident. You're not thinking about judgment. So Jesus tells all of these parables, parables like the ten minus. He gives all of these different servants minus. Lord, when he comes back, I've gained ten more. Lord, I've gained five more. Welcome home. Well done. Good and faithful servant. Lord, I did this, in other words, knowing that you're coming, knowing who you are, knowing that it is my reason for doing anything that you are most interested in, and I did it for you. And then the one says, well, I knew that you were a hard man, so I took what I intellectually knew was true, and I thought to myself, if I would just hold on to this and keep it safe until you return, what does he say? You wicked servant. Take him away. Throw him where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. The wise builder takes what he says, applies what he says. So Romans 12, 2, Paul is in a sense saying, test him. See if it's true. Don't conform to the patterns of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you will be able to test and approve what his will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Have you ever done that? I've done it sometimes and felt really silly because I'm so swallowed up in my own inadequacies, frustrated, why can't I fix this thing? And in the, in the midst of frustration and turmoil, I give it to God. And I feel so stupid about two seconds or five minutes or whatever it is later. Why did I not give it to him to start with? God wants us to test him. He wants us to say, okay, God, I'm going to do what you say. Show me who you are. He will do it. Verse 18 more good news, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment, and the one who fears has not been made perfect in love. So fear is normal. It is a part of fallen humanity that you fear different things than I do, and I fear different things than you do, and some of the things we fear together. And John is telling us here that perfect agape, through us, agapao, eliminates fear. It is not trying not to do something. I did that until I was 32 years old. I tried to stop sinning the ways that I sinned, and I couldn't do it. 
and I was discouraged. And I realized that I had never repented and said, Lord, you're my Lord. And when we do that, and when we step into the, the things that the world carries, the, the struggles, the, the discouragements, things, I think Paul explains in um, 2 Corinthians 10 that um, we do not wage war as the world wages war. The weapons we fight were to, not the weapons of the world. No, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. So as a Christ follower, addictions end. Strongholds. If I was addicted to something, it's now a stronghold that needs to be dealt with. But we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. Demolished. That's amazing that we can step into his divine nature, 2 Peter 1.4. We can participate in who God is by doing what God says. That's difficult to express. Verse 19, we love because he first loved us. Verse 20, whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. So, again, 1 John 3, 18. How is love, agapao, expressed that God accepts? Not with words, not with speech, but with actions and in truth. The people in your church family, my church family, that I don't seem to connect with, that I don't seem to have in common with. Um, I care about them and I love them. Words, he doesn't accept. Expressions, actions, choices to love that person is what he accepts. I love Jesus with all my heart. I think he's amazing. I can't believe that he died for me. I love almost everybody in my church. You know what Jesus says? You don't love either. You can't love me if you don't love them. If you can't love the people that you do see, he doesn't accept love to the one that I cannot see. Because he first loved us, we can love one another. The end of 1 Corinthians 13 in your notes there. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Practically, that's true because faith and hope have an expiration date. Paul says that when the rapture happens, who hopes for what they already have? We won't hope for anything in heaven. But the one thing that is eternal, long before Adam, long after Revelation, is love. So God is love. We're going to step into an arena as Christ followers where only love exists all the time. 
And what means so much to him is to express, this, express it now when it's a choice, when it's up to me. The only thing that I think that God and Satan have in common is neither one of them will force you to do anything. But if we will step into the things that God invites us into, we will have the highest form of living on this earth. So, church families, we have multiple church families here. I wrote a challenge down on my sheet that I'm going to give to each of you. In your relationship with the people in your church, in the people that you connect with and the people that you don't, in the things that you do towards them and the things that you don't, change one thing this week. Don't make it something that you can easily, readily step into. Change one thing. Love someone in your church family in the way, or maybe in the individual, that you've yet to do. Heavenly Father, help us. We want to know what your love is like more than we currently know it. I have so many, so many hurdles, so many ways that, that I need to apply and take captive and make obedient to your son. Help me to do that. Help us to do that. Help Mendota, give Mendota opportunity to see the way that we love each other and help us to take that love directly to them. In Jesus' name, amen.